every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK, you would know this. This is one of the finer Marvin Gaye songs. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, what's going on? Right on, right on, right on. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Wow, that was impressive, man. Uh, we get to hear it every day as we go through this segment. Uh, who's bringing us this, PK? Well, what's going on is presented by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical today at 801-833-3333. That's 801 833 3333 Action Plumbing. All right, first up, uh, we have a a bit of a, a clip from uh, from that show in the morning, DJ and PK. And since PK is with us today, he can elaborate even more on his conversation with BYU TV analyst and former Cougar linebacker David Nixon as he pre- previewed the game against Troy. Trying to make sense of a game that uh, normally I would have ignored and doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe you can help. Listen, it's game week. Let's go. Okay, uh, so. You, as, as of today, as of Wednesday, BYU is going to play this week. Uh, something can change. <laughs> Definitely in the meantime, hopefully not. But uh, it's game week, so I'm pumped. I don't care who they're playing. It's game week. So it's Troy, and Troy smoked Middle Tennessee State. But Middle Tennessee State also got smoked by Army, 42 to nothing. So they're giving up like 45 points a game, so I don't know what to make of that. Navy looked better in their second game, although not until halftime. They got behind 24 to nothing and then rallied to win. So I assume BYU is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage against Troy. Have you seen anything in these games that would enable you to figure that out and give me a definitive answer on whether I'm right or wrong? Yeah, listen, this is what you do when you play teams like Troy and and non-P5s and, frankly, not even G5s, really. uh, You you tend to have the advantage there in the trenches, right? Offensive line, defensive line, they should be able to push uh, those teams around. Where BYU kind of – it's a little bit of a mismatch against a team like Troy. Troy's got athletes all over the field. I mean, you look at the wide receiver position, the DB position. um, A lot of these guys are guys that couldn't qualify for the Auburns and Alabamas and things like that, so they had to settle with going to – kind of smaller college uh, that has easier uh, uh, acceptance rates. And so that's where I think BYU sometimes struggles with these type of teams because they've got team speed. Uh, They don't necessarily have team size, uh, like I said, down the trenches. But um, it'll it'll be interesting. And this is what Troy likes to do. If you watch the film, you watch the LTC State game, they love to air it out. They like like to go five wides, four wides, and, uh, and air it out and try to test you. So... Um, BYU better be up to the task. I mean, it's, it's a completely different game plan than what BYU saw against Navy as far as defensively. Uh, BYU opted to go with a 3-4 defense and shut down the triple option. Now you got to shift back to your base defense, which BYU is going to that 4-2-5 this year to play more DBs and get ready to have a lot more nickel and uh, be able to, to defend against the kind of air raid, if you will. So, um, yeah, very interesting matchup. And I think this will show a lot of fans where BYU is at because this is a team that, 
you know, they've, they've had some upsets in their past against um, FBS teams. And so uh, BYU's got to be prepared because it's one of those teams that can come up and sneak up on you. Yeah, you know, when you score 55 points and you're not doing it in any fluke manner, I don't think of looking back, I don't know that there was any special team scores or defensive scores. It was basically the offense just shoving the ball down Navy's throat. That's going to get a lot of the attention. But on the same flip side, if you're only giving up three, that's impressive too. But it didn't seem like BYU's defense was the story of the game. It was more about the offense and up front and how they had the running backs averaging, uh, what, 15, 16, 17 yards between the top two. So I wanted to focus on defense. Now, um, for the life of me, David, if you would have told me that that I spent a Saturday watching Troy football on television, I would have told you you were nuts. But nevertheless, that's what I did because I don't didn't know a whole lot about Troy and I wanted to get educated. So the game was on television and we don't have a big uh, plethora of games to choose from. Obviously, we didn't last week. So I came away thinking this team offensively doesn't seem that bad and will be able to give BYU more of a test. So I'm really intrigued to just see how good is this BYU defense do you have any insight in terms of how good they really are? Well, I'll say this. Uh, you know, when you talk about the defense specifically, this linebacker core, as they mentioned this last week, I think this is the best linebacker core BYU's had in, in probably a decade, frankly. I think here and there, BYU's had uh, standout linebackers like Calvin Noy and Fred Warner, guys who really pop. But as a collective unit, uh, this linebacker core, it's, it's solid top to bottom. And, and the thing is, because of injuries last year that BYU had, uh, with the linebacking unit, then you had a lot of young guys, Max Tooley, Peyton Wilgar, starting as freshmen that got a lot of game reps. And so now those guys came back off injury, and now you've got this whole linebacker room that's got awesome experience and, and it's uh, got guys that play in games. And so that's where the, this this linebacker unit specifically is, is very experienced and, and very impressive. Now you go to the secondary in the same type of deal. You had Zane Anderson, who was out last year, Troy Warner, who was out last year. Next thing you know, you bring them back in along with the young guys that had to play uh, because they were out, and that has experience as well. And so this, this defensive unit, I, I think they're the real deal. And, and I, I honestly think this is one of the best defenses Colony has had, and so it's kind of unfortunate that it hits during the year of COVID when you can't really you know, show and demonstrate how good your team is. Uh, but, I, I, you know, this week will be a great test. Like I said, Troy's going to try and air it out more, so they'll definitely test the secondary and the linebackers, and we'll see if they're up to the test. But, like I said, completely different type of game plans, and it'll be interesting to see, yeah, is BYU the real deal? I think everyone's still asking themselves that, right? You, you, you thought maybe, uh, but, you know, can they, really, uh, can they really go put together back-to-back impressive performances? We'll see. So, PK, was David overselling Troy? And was he overselling that BYU defense? What do you think? Well, that defense is hard to tell because they were dominant. And, you know, I think we're going to be doing this all season long. Obviously, if they win. If they lose, no. But it's going to be, how good is this team really? It's too bad because they had a formidable schedule that would have shown just how good this team was. Even if some of the big-name schools were down, there was enough of them. And then you throw in the non-conference of San Diego State, uh, Utah State, and Boise. Those are representative programs at the Mountain West level, obviously. That's a great schedule, and but they won't be playing playing it. And if they win all these games, we're going to always wonder, how good were they? It's like the old days. Well, how good was BYU? You know, sure, they beat Long Beach State and blah, 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 uh, and, and some dregs of the whack. How good were they? I, uh, they got a lot of experience, so 
figured they were going to be better. You can argue the best team that Kalani's had. Certainly, you know, only that first year, which was majority Broncos guys, this would have been the best team of his guys that he recruited, and I still think it will be, no matter what the schedule is. Uh, so the defense uh, up front, the linebackers, you know, we, I talked to Nixon later on in the interview, and he's one of them. They've just been linebacker you. They've had a lot of really good linebackers, and it looks like they got some guys this year. And guys all out throughout the defense have experience, have experience and got to play last year through injury and for other reasons. Um, here, I think that they're going to get more of a test. You know, maybe, maybe I'm blowing up Troy more than I should, and maybe they'll just hammer him, but... It looked like Troy had some athletes. I mean, they're in a part of the country where you, know, you ought to be able to recruit some kids who can play the game. And, you know, maybe they're not the big strapping studs that go to Alabama and Auburn, but they still got high, high skill levels. A couple of things. The first is that it's almost when you look at this schedule BYU is playing, they, they need to crush teams. And I, and I hate to say that, but if they're interested in demonstrating how good they are, I don't know any other way they can do it because they can't rearrange who they're playing at this point. So they yeah, have, to, I, I guess they have so. to be impressive every week. I've never been a margin of victory guy, but against this level of competition, maybe the Cougars have to be. If you want to put them in rarefied air as far as uh, comparative uh, to, I don't uh, think you can, though, past. Gordon. I don't think this is the season you're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the casualties of it is. Uh, the the uh, season of, of COVID. But, right. uh, yeah, and I agree with what you said, PK, that linebacker, BYU, I mean, if you go back and look at, I get the quarterbacks back in the day, you know, like McMahon and Young, et cetera, et cetera, but, They've had through the years, they've had some fine linebackers. And right now they've got a couple in the NFL who are pretty darn good, Kyle Vanoy and uh, and Warner. So uh, Taki Taki's in there too. Cleveland. Yeah, Taki Taki, that's right. So they've, yeah. I mean, that, that's been a position of strength for that team for a long, long time. I, yeah, it has. I thought that was interesting that Nixon said that he thought that they'd fallen off in recent years. But... Well, a little bit in terms of the depth, if you compare it. I mean, in Nixon's day, you had the Papingas, uh, you had Self, you had Keel. Those guys, you know, a lot of them getting in the NFL. So if you compare it to that level, maybe. But, you know, the thing about the Cougars, man, is they got to get difference makers. They can get good players. And I think that, you know, they should always have a representative team. Uh, but they got to get some difference makers because it's going to sound stupid, but they're the ones who make the difference. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Captain Obvious here, <laughs> you you got to get those dudes because that's what's going to separate you, and you need as many of them as you can get. I mean, that Van Oy game, that bowl game, what was it, the oh, Point yeah. City Bowl? Uh-huh, well, yeah. might have been the finest individual defensive performance I've ever seen by a singular player who's – and he's blocking punts, if I remember, and he's just all over the field, man. I mean, Didn't he, he cause a fumble player, in the end zone or something, the quarterback? Something he, like that, he, yeah. He yeah. Crazy stuff, yeah. yeah. And he had interceptions, and 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 for the Cougars, they got to make sure when we get this, particularly if they're LDS, they have got to get 
They've got. I, I don't want to say they got to get their share. They got to get more than their share, and it's tough, man. It's never been tougher after Lavelle Edwards got it going. It's never been tougher to be a BYU football coach because you got your rival right up the street. If I'm an LDS kid and I got talent, now I'm biased because I come from Pac-12 country. I worked in two other markets that were Pac-10 big time, Phoenix and Los Angeles, obviously. It's the heart of the Pac-12. So, And I've been a Pac-10, 12 guy literally my whole adult life. But if I'm a local kid and BYU, I mean, Utah wants me, and even if I'm LDS, I got to look long and hard at what Utah has to offer because they have the possibility of giving more. And uh, I, I know Bronco said, well, you can only get the BYU experience at BYU. And Kalani hasn't sold the religion as publicly as Bronco did because I've spoken to parents of recruits of LDS kids who've reached out to me over the years about how strong he sold that. And that was fine. That's your selling point. But you may not be able to get the BYU experience at any place but BYU. But if you want the LDS experience, I certainly think you can get it at Utah State in Utah if that's well, looking- there's enough. Yeah. And, and Kyle has uh, stressed that, as has Gary. Yeah. And they have those institute programs up there at those schools that are huge. You know, I mean, they, right. if that's what you're looking for. It's not for that's everybody. I for. get that. But right. if that's right. what you're looking right. for, you can find it. So it is tough. And BYU coaches hate it when you talk like that, PK, when you bring up the pack. Well, I don't take well, any pleasure talking about it because yeah. – I mean, I, they got guys on that staff that I wanted to see do well. I've, some of their guys I've known for a long time. We've known Tom Homo. I know the sports information people. I don't take any pleasure in BYU losing. Not at all. Absolutely not. That's just not true. And so with that in mind, I want to see them do well because I like their people. I've gotten softer as I've gotten older. I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> and I would have never have said that 25, 30 years ago, but – that's not where I'm at now, and I'm not in the hardcore news business now anymore either, so it's a different. I feel radio is more about entertainment and having fun, and I've got no problem. And it's great for business when the local teams win. That's just a fact. And I don't know how much it was great for business in newspapers. We didn't really care about that. But in radio, we do, and I'm in television also, and so I want them to win. So I don't take any pleasure, but I've got to point out that it's tough. It doesn't mean it's impossible. By any stretch doesn't mean it's impossible because BYU still has a lot to offer. There's very few programs that have this type of passionate fan base, certainly in the area, in the region, and in the market. We cover BYU through and through, man. So, PK, when you say you're softer, does that mean that you no longer – uh, show up at uh, at Utah basketball practices with a BYU uh, sweatshirt on. Has like that ever been confirmed? Uh, a bird told Has that me been all confirmed? about that. I mean, I mean, Who told you, you that one? When uh, you. Well, we had a little thing going on there. You and so the I went over to your house. I, I borrowed your <laughs> BYU sweatshirt. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little big on me. <laughs> and I washed it before I gave it back. 
So when you showed up, what was the reaction of Rick Majerus when he saw you standing there with a with a cougar? Okay, I could have been there in anything, and it would have been discussed. So, <laughs> so I don't know that it really mattered. But I mean, he liked to bully, and uh, let's face it, man. Go you Cougars! A couple of you had a couple of thick-headed guys going at each other back then. <laughs> Him and me. <laughs> so he was always trying to one up me and I was always trying to one up him, man. And it was a game. You realize I covered that beat for ten friggin' years? Oh my gosh. I'll tell <laughs> I think story. Trump ought to give me the presidential <laughs> medal of freedom or whatever it's called. <laughs> I'll tell this story real quick. It's one of my my more memorable ones. Uh, PK uh, calls up uh, Majerus, and it's right around Christmas time. And uh, he asks he, he asks him a, some sort of question that he didn't like. And so Rick Majerus uh, said to to PK, "You know what your problem is, Kinahan? You don't even like yourself." And PK's response. <laughs> PK's response is, I don't know, Rick. All, what I do know is that uh, Christmas is in two days, and I'm going to be watching my kids opening up their Christmas presents, and you're going to be breaking down, Phil. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a little harsh. That's not you anymore, huh? You're a softie now. No, no. But nobody gets in my face like that either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's... I, uh... I know what it's like to be in the face of Rick Majerus and to go back and forth. We've uh, we've had our episodes there, but uh, anyway. but I enjoyed his teams, man. I can you know I don't vouch for him as a great guy with me, but uh, man, the guy was one hell of a basketball coach. I can honestly say I've been around. I, I couldn't even count how many coaches, and there was no coach who had more intelligence than that man had. Maybe we should get Which Big Rick think, on the phone. Uh, if he's if if Big Rick is uh, you know uh, you know uh, you know play offense, if he's listening, the opportunity is there certainly for for Big Rick, and that was that was a decade of just unbelievable experiences. Uh, I mean, all the winning, all the nonsense, all the crap, literally and figuratively. It's only one pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many stories. <laughs> so, several years ago, I'm at a at, at Hidden Valley. I see Mike Weir, and uh, he wants to talk Majerus stories. Mike Weir, I want to talk Master stories. <laughs> well, you know, uh, let's say if, if Big Rick is listening, maybe he can, uh, you know, uh, join us. What would Big Rick say? Big Rick. That's the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Your two greatest adversaries, Munson and Killahan. Munson and Killahan. Yeah, it's been a long time, guys. How are are you guys doing? Yeah, uh, I've been really busy, you know. You know, know. uh, Big Rick, we're just wondering if you may have, have you forgiven PK and me for uh, our difficult relationships? Oh, hell no. Hell, never. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, Munson. I got 
I got a long blank in memory, you know. <laughs> I got a long memory, Munson. <laughs> I don't know if you have any stories, Big Rick, but did you ever bring up Munson or uh, PK during practices or team meetings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time, you know. We, uh... <laughs> You know, one one particular time, uh, I think we were playing in Minneapolis, uh, you know, and uh, we're playing Kentucky, and apparently the headline in the Salt Lake Tribune the next, the day before was, uh, Utah's going to beat Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> uh, written by Munson. <laughs> Not to be confused with the prophet Tommy Munson, who was a good friend, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but I told the guys, you know, let's go back and have Munson cook his own chicken. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah. and, and I can tell you from first, well, secondhand experience, not first. Munson cooked his own chicken many times. <laughs> I, I can believe that. I actually can believe that. I imagine he's cooked his own chicken with the wife a few times. You know? I don't know about that. I don't know what they no, eat together. Now, no, Big Rick, I... Uh, how did you? How was it with your players? How how did you uh, you handle that? Did you treat all the all of them the same, or did you pick on certain guys and and, and sort of give others sort of the soft touch? Oh, I give no one the soft touch. You know, uh, you know, managers were my favorite to beat on. Uh, I hated the managers, but I loved them at the same time. You know. Uh, but typically, superstars got a little tougher treatment. How did how did he treat Britton Johnson? You have any experiences there? Uh, who are you talking about? Uh, Britton Johnson. You remember that big redheaded kid? Was he a tall, skinny kid? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was soft, you know. Britton was soft. He, uh, yeah. Uh, one last one last question for you, Big Rick. I just wondered, in the later years, as you were sort of uh, sliding on out the door, did uh, did you recruit poor players on, on purpose to sabotage the program? No. No, I never do that. No. Boo, 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 boo. Well, Big Rick, uh, don't be a stranger. We, we, we'd appreciate the, Oh, how's the afterlife treating you? Everything good? It's everything they say it'd be. Oh, good. That's down there. No crown burger yeah. up there, right, Big Rick? <laughs> Which direction uh, did you go, up or down? I don't know. No, they got a place called Celestial Burgers. It's great. The guy, Moroni, out front takes your order. It's really good. Okay. Well, Big Rick, uh, we'll stay in touch if you don't mind, if you have uh, some time every once in a while. I'll always talk to you two guys for sure. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Bye-bye. Big Rick. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll uh, finish off uh, what's going on with uh, a clip from uh, Hanson Scotty. NBA writer Kurt Heelan, he shared uh, what he's learned about the potential start dates for next season. We'll get to that. Also, we have Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars at four, David Locke at five. Stay with us here on The Big Show.
is the big show. It's a little different today because we have the PK infiltration, the PK version of the big show. We appreciate you sitting in, Pat. Austin Horton also contributing. Jake Scott will be back tomorrow. He's on vacation, and uh, hopefully he'll be refreshed. And uh, hopefully he won't be quite so grumpy because he was getting kind of grumpy there toward the end, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was mean, he really? More grumpy than usual, but, I mean, the, the, when you when you start, when you're happy and you're grumpy, what are you when you're mad? I don't Clap your hands? <laughs> <laughs> when and you're now happy, I'm grumpy. You know it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully his no name is cleared and the jury listeners. sides with him and he'll be back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that, that, that's, that's a low blow there. Well, the last <laughs> I, time I was out, he... a problem with it. Yeah. Oh, he well, did? anyway... Oh, he always mix stuff up. Oh. Like certain surgeries I'm having that don't exist. But. <laughs> well, he has stretched. That's the irony of the whole thing. You guys always accuse me of of making up these grand tales, and mine are all right on the money, and you guys are the ones that are making stuff <laughs> up. So it's okay. Now, I mean, we use hyperbole. You stand by it. You're like, no, I did see a unicorn golfing on uh, at Old Mill last week. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I I have only stretched the truth on two stories, uh-huh. and you know the ones they were. All the rest have been true, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I take it for what it's worth, and it's worth a lot. I mentioned earlier uh, that uh, Hanson Scotty had Kurt Heelan on, the NBA writer, renowned. And uh, why don't we give that a listen and hear what he had to say. So uh, projecting ahead a little bit, uh, looks like we've got our draft date set. Free agency will probably start yeah. a couple of days after that. Uh, we always knew the December 1st uh, start to the season wasn't going to happen. Then Christmas got floated out. And then uh, um, in an interview with Bob Costas, uh, Adam Silver said it'll be January at the earliest. Do you think it stops there? Could we slide into February? I don't know anybody around the league who doesn't think it's February or March. Really? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I I, maybe I'm wrong, and the, the challenge is on the back end is the Olympics. I think we've talked about that before. And, and yeah. do you take an NHL-style break, or how do you handle that? Um, but right now, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't think it's going to be late. Look, they just owners want a full 82 games with fans in the arena for as many of them as they can. And the later you start that, the more likely you are to get it. Okay. Well, and that was the conversation that Hans and I have had about this is do you wait to get fans in the stands or do you just go to try to get your, you know, to try to normalize the season as much as possible? It seems if you start in February or March, though, that you're pretty much going to have to start in December after that. And and maybe yep. that puts us on our December uh, start time from here on out. Maybe I, I'd be curious to see where they go. Yeah, it starts later. But guys, you know this. It's really not about the schedule. It's about the money. Yeah. <laughs> about what what way can we recoup the most of this money we're losing right now? And that's why there's there's no. Ch- I mean, the way to do this next year to make it all sync back up would be to play start in February, but play sixty games or so. You know, whatever. It's not going to happen. They're, they're pulling a they're playing a full eighty two with as many fans in the arena as they can get. And I don't. And that may. I'm curious how that's going to shake out if. If, you know, could the Phoenix Suns have people in the building when the teams in California can't or, you know, maybe Utah or, or, or where, you know, I don't think, I don't think in Atlanta they care. <laughs> I don't think no. they, you know, they'll, they'll pack 18,000 in now. So, like, I, I don't, I'm curious how they're going to handle that. So, 
I remember some of the initial numbers we talked about in returning to the bubble. They, they stood to make about $1.2 billion, if I remember right. Yeah. I know that the bubble cost just around $200 million or give or take, yeah. a, I guess, a few yeah. million. million. Uh, is that the number they're going to hit, Kurt? Are they going to be able to achieve that billion-dollar number in this return? I don't know the answer to that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see part of the delay for the draft and the start of free agency, which still doesn't have a date set. And by the way, you said it probably starts a few days later. That would make sense, except it's right around Thanksgiving. So do they push it back till after Thanksgiving? And if you run it between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that feels a little weird, but that might be what they do. I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't know. On the other hand, they run... I would say they just run it through the 4th of July every year and screw that up holiday up for me anyway. So it might as well be Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> might as um, well, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my wife will love that. Um, it, it, <laughs> that said, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what the number. Part of the delay is trying to figure out the finances and where they are and also just projecting them forward. Like how much are they going to make next year? Because you're, you're, you're projecting forward a little bit, too. And, and I don't think anybody has a good answer for that because it, <laughs> there's so many dependents. And on top of like, even if you've got guys back in the arena, if you've got you know, fans back in the arena, are fans going to go at the same level? Is it going to be, are people just going to jump back into it or not? Or, and is that going to be regionalized a little bit? It's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, that's, that's a great question too. And maybe February or March, there is some level of distribution of a vaccine by then uh, where people yeah. feel a little bit more comfortable. I mean, there's, uh, there's yeah. a lot of question marks there, but you certainly give yourself more options by pushing it back as far as you can. Yeah. I think, I think the idea is even if they can't start that way, they could be in a bubble by, yeah. um, you know, if, if, if they start with a mini bubble, but they play, final half of the season even in front of fans that's better than zero so i think that as many games as they can get in front of fans they'll take so pk everything else being equal not that it is because it's not equal right now but does it matter to you when the season starts uh not next season if you're speaking you know i thought that uh was going to take maybe two cycles to get back to what we view as normal I was fine with the season the way it was. Uh, the only thing I would do is uh, try to eliminate as much time off in those first rounds of the playoffs. I think it gets a little silly sometimes going four days without a game. Try to tighten that up as much as possible. Uh, and I like what Dennis Lindsay said in his Zoom conference call. You know, and with the scheduling, don't make five trips to Texas. You know, Try to piggyback you know baseball obviously has series you're not going to do that to that extent but try to find a way to reduce the travel because the product will be better it's all about the product i don't have any problem with them playing 82 games next year however they do it if they stretch it out some more and maybe it takes another year to get to the cycle because the way i look at it is it's a business you know it's in the entertainment business and that's when i view for me, entertainment is just that. It's entertainment. It's not necessarily about winning and losing. It's about entertainment. For some people, entertainment is winning, and that's the true hardcore fan. I'm not that way. I'm enjoying the entertainment of it. You know, I don't root for a movie. I just go to a movie, and if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Uh, and same thing with a sports event. But, you know, even like in the colleges, you hear, oh, well, they're just getting back for the money. So what? Jobs are at stake. Yes. They play college football because of money. What's wrong with that? When did trying to earn money or trying not to lose money, when did that become evil? I don't understand that. So if they want to play 82 next year, 
to get as much money as they can, more power to them. Go ahead. I wonder. I wonder if they'll do something along the lines of what Dennis suggested. And Dennis is kind of a forward thinker. But do you think it would make a difference if the Jazz were on a road trip and they could schedule all the Texas teams together yes. in order to yes. limit travel? Travel. But Absolutely. What, what, how much difference does it make if you're on a plane an extra half hour? Does it make that big a difference as far as fatigue goes? Oh, I think it can, yeah, because everything adds up. It's not just 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes this time, next time, next time, next time. It all adds up after a while. I've traveled with professional teams and uh, college teams, and I've gotten gassed, and I'm not playing. And it just the travel just kind of beats you up a little bit. Yeah, and it, one of the things that we're supposed to have lock on today, you know, and he likes to crack on baseball, you go to a game and Mike Trout only bats four times. All right, I go to a game and Kawhi Leonard doesn't play <laughs> yeah. because of this stupid freaking load management. I'd rather yeah. have four at bats of Trout, and rather than Kawhi Leonard sitting out again, sitting out twenty twenty five games, the first week of the season, Joel Embiid is not playing. And if you can find ways to eliminate that, I mean, it costs a lot of money to go to an NBA game, and uh, you know you're going to see the stars. Stern marketing those stars was a genius move because it's about the stars. You know, I would imagine people around the country, if uh, you're in Milwaukee or wherever, and the Jazz are coming into town, who are you excited about seeing on the Jazz? Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> right? Yeah. You want to yeah. see him do his thing, man. You want to see him do his thing in a losing effort, but you want to see him do his thing. And not having these guys play, that's a blow. And I think it, it turns people off. I wonder you know, back, if. It's a, yeah, go ahead. That back in the day, you know, I mean, it sounds dinosaurish, but you go look at the Jazz uh, under uh, GP, and they're all 80, 82, right down the line, Eaton, the statues. I mean, one year Thurl got traded, and he played 84 games. <laughs> I wonder if they would ever consider staying in the same city for multiple games, like a baseball series. You know, Right. I, oh, you know, do you the, think that would diminish the uh, the – interest uh, in in going to those games well it could be you know you talk to ticket people and if they got three or four games in a week they get nervous about that stuff because their job is to sell tickets so maybe that it's offset by the the product of the play i think would be enhanced but it's hard to do in in basketball i mean you could do it in baseball because their stadiums aren't being used for much outside of their stadiums, uh-huh. whereas basketball arenas are being used. I mean, just think after the Jazz remodeled, I forget, I think we had Steve Starks on or Jim Olson or somebody, and he told us, I forget what the numbers were, but the concerts that they had before the arena was remodeled and then after, it was uh-huh. dramatically higher. So it's hard, It's much harder to do because you've got the circus and private shows and we've been in there when doTERRA comes in and whatnot so the facility is being used a lot more than a baseball stadium is yeah yeah all right pk uh, coming up next on the big show we'll we'll pay tribute and say goodbye to one of the nfl all-time greats who also was uh, part of uh, one of uh, a movie that a lot of people think is uh, near and dear to their hearts a sports movie 
we'll do that. And then at 4 o'clock, uh, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us. So uh, we'll get to that coming up next right here. show i'm gordon monson alongside with uh, patrick kinahan and uh, thanks for making us a part of your day we do appreciate it we wanted to take a minute here to uh, pay tribute to gail sayers who uh, passed away at the age of uh, i believe it was 77 and I'll, I'll tell you uh in my time of watching football and i've been watching football for about oh, 85 years or so uh, Gail Sayers was one of the all-time greats. I mean, I when I think of the the best running backs I've ever seen, I might I'd throw in probably Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, maybe Emmitt Smith, uh, Earl Campbell. Who else? PK? Who am I forgetting? I always thought and I never saw Sayers play, but I always thought that in my mind, I always conjured up the comparison to Barry Sanders. Uh, I would put in Tony Dorsett, yeah. Nick Dickerson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just Sayers. Yeah, that's a great comparison, I think, with Barry Sanders, because those guys had moves and they would bounce off of tacklers and do things that as you watched, you just say, did I just see that? And I don't know how many running backs you can say that about, but Gail Sayers, certainly one of them. Uh, That's what they say. And, you know, it's funny when you think about it, not funny, ha ha, but there hasn't been a position in any sport that was once as glorified that has taken such a huge hit and lost its luster than running back. Yes, I agree with that. Because as a kid, remember back man, in the day when if you had if you had a star running back, PK was like that. Yeah. That was a huge, huge achievement. Absolutely, yes, yes. I remember when the Cowboys. I think they traded twenty picks or something to get Tony Dorsett, and he was coming out of pit. And, man, once they got him, he was going to just catapult them. You know, the rules were different then, and DBs can grab and hold and bite and everything. And, you know, now the passing is where it's at. And you got to give the credit to the NFL because the NFL recognized that it's an entertainment-based entity, and passing is going to be where it's at. So you got all these, all these passing records are held by all these modern-day quarterbacks. Are they any better than those other quarterbacks? I don't know that they were or are, but I know the rules have changed dramatically, so you throw the ball. And the running back has been devalued. I mean, if a running back is taken in the first round now, it's like a shock. And it's thought that, well, sure, yeah, you could be a great running back, uh, Fournette and, and Trent Richardson, and go down there in these places in the SEC, and they'll give you the ball 35 times a game. And by the time you get to the pros, you got nothing left in the tank because you've taken all these hits. And they don't want you. And so yeah. many of these running backs, Fournette, I mean, he's okay. But, man, they thought that he was going to be all that in the NFL. Uh, but now it's like, why burn picks that high? You can find somebody with Patriots. I mean, who, what running backs have they really had that have been big-time studs. You don't really think of them, but yet they've won right. consistently for over a decade through other ways. But back in the, those times, the Gale Sayers and, and the running backs that you mentioned were just featured and were the prominent, most important guys on the team. Would you include John Riggins in that group? 
Uh, different type of runner, but for what Washington was doing, absolutely. Yeah, but not as long, not as uh, for the duration, not as uh, electrifying, but for what Washington and they won at the highest level. And here's my thing, Gordon and Austin. Tell me what you think. We call it the Washington football team. Well, I am just authoring and advocating that they become the Washington pigskins, and then you can still call them the skins, and they can be the hogs. So you wouldn't have changed anything. Just call them the pigskins, and everybody will call them skins for short. We'll be good to go. Because huh. yeah, they had they had the hogs, right? Exactly. Yeah, but then Peter pig skins, you could still have the hogs. Well, what else? So I say... Washington Pigskins, Gordon, you're a moneymaker. You, you 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 make way more money than me. Go ahead and, and trademark that, and then just give me a little bit of sliver. Yeah, but then two problems. PETA won't like it. And secondly, you won't get to sell a bunch of new merchandise to people for a lot of uh, overcharged prices. I don't know, though. Yeah, you can pictures. figure out a way. Yeah, if you had pictures and, and of pigs, who, I would Peter sell. who? Who's Peter? What, what do we care about Peter? <laughs> Peter who? Real quick, I gotta ask Brian's song, the story of Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers. Obviously, was a, a big part of that. One of the best sports movies of uh, all time, or not? Yep. Next question. PK, what do you? Uh, I wouldn't put it in my top five, but uh, sure, it's good. I mean, it's no Mighty Ducks, but kind of a tearjerker, though, man. Yeah, I don't mind. You watch Schindler's movie. List on Christmas, sir. It wasn't it on easy. Christmas. It was around the holidays because I thought it was important for my family <laughs> to see it. And that was, they did. <laughs> Terrible. Nudity, man. They had nudity of like old men at 85 years old running around in the camps. I didn't want to see that. Cover up. <laughs> oh, wow. It was, it's a fairly important film in my opinion. Anyway. All right. Coming up next, we'll have Greg Rubel. We'll talk some BYU football with him coming up next.